This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me Brittany. How are you doing today? I'm good. Um, Tia was making me laugh right before hitting record, and I almost the, the first thing you almost heard was me calling Tia stupid ass. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm <laughs> Now they know. Now they have a little taste of what I have to deal with with you. Right. No. <laughs> no, she had me giggling. She had me giggling, and I was like, uh, I don't even remember what you said, but I was giggling. I was like, this stupid ass. <laughs> you know, that's what I want to do before we hit record. That way we're both in jovial moods, and the audience can hear just how gleeful we are. Um, jovial? I know. I'm thinking about Christmas already, even though it's still hot as balls outside. Um, But Brittany and I have a very exciting topic for you today, and it is the top 10 vampires in cinema. I'm just titling it that, but we will both be doing vampires in TV and movies. And obviously, say, vampires are... I feel like, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, Brittany, I do feel like the whole trend of vampires is kind of dying down and has for, like, the past few years, but there was that one point where vampires were huge. Um, The whole lore of vampires have been around for quite some time. You Even if you haven't watched a whole lot of things with vampires, I bet you you at least know about Dracula. Um, If you watch Spongebob, you know about Nosferatu. There are funny things with vampires, such as what we do in the shadows, Underworld is badass. So there are so many, like, on-screen vampires. And it's one of those things where I wasn't always into it, but when I met Brittany, she's really into the whole lore of it, and we started talking, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Vampires are cool. They can be cool. Be- there's so many different, like, iterations, right? Just like how there's so many iterations of zombies out there. So it's whatever you're into, there's a vampire for you. So I'm excited for this, Brittany. I am, too. I was going to say, I really feel like Twilight killed the um, the the like the vampire obsession because it got so many people into it right because there is that allure of vampires where you're like oh they're dark they're mysterious you know their eyes can transfuse you know all that stuff to it right but I think we hit a point when Twilight was so big that when people are like I love vampires. They're like, oh, you like the ones that sparkle. And then it made people really quiet about liking vampires because it was assumed, oh, you love vampires. You probably love, you know, Twilight. And it, like, basically shamed people into being quiet about liking vampires. So it just kind of dropped off. But I felt like 
for movie makers, it would have been the perfect time to come out with some very grungy, scary vampire movies. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that certainly the Twilight Saga, which I even isn't it even called that, like the Twilight Saga. Like I feel like the Twilight Saga really just did a disservice to vampires. Because you're right. Um, at that before that, it's like you had all these people who were into vampires because they were dangerous and bloody, and it was the horror aspect of it. And then you had this new generation of people who are into vampires, but like because they're cute and they are just emotional and they're kind of emo and they sparkle and that yeah, was like what because like because the, the, the whole like plot on that was like oh that basically their skin is made of diamonds and that, that and i'm like they sparkle off the sunlight and that's why they have to say out oh, the sun because people will see them sparkle and i'm like that's a little weird i'm pretty sure like not none of them are like I get that it's like oh their skin is like diamond but don't make it literal diamonds do not make it where they like refract off the sun it's like you have like alligators have hard skin their skin doesn't sparkle well the thing is it's like I you know like with zombies right I don't need to be a purist about it because obviously one of my favorite shows of all time is iZombie, which completely like throws away so many things about zombies. First of all, they're talking, but I'm not say a vampire purist. I don't care if you decide to do, Oh, their skin burns in the sun. Or if you're like, nah, that's not really the case. They're perfectly fine in the sun or, you know, with say Dracula and other older iterations of vampires, vampires turned into bats. And now that's not really something that is explored in recent, vampires like i don't care how you want to do that that's fine but the whole sparkling thing was just like it clearly seemed like they were trying to just appeal to a younger crowd perhaps but correct me if i'm wrong Brittany, because i've actually never seen any of the twilight movies i kind of refuse to do it the only way that i would do it is if you and i actually did it together and we were just going to roast it the whole time but i know you've seen the movies so do they actually sparkle (laughs) i gotta say i only watched the first movie i read all the books because that was really when i was back into reading a lot and i was like oh yeah let's read it I actually fell off more after the first one, and I thought the rest were pretty subpar. But, um, yeah, they literally sparkle. I'm about to send you a picture. I'll send you a picture of one of them sparkle. Like, it's like glitter on their skin. Didn't we talk about, I think we talked about this during our top ten moments, or no, our top ten characters from the Hobbit trilogy, and we were talking about Lee Pace, and I was like, you know, I love that actor. And I'm typically the person who I'll try and watch anything an actor is in if I like them. But he's in one of the Twilight movies, and I'm like, oh, God, no, that's that's so hard. Like, I want to see you, but I, God, no, I don't want to sit through this movie. <laughs> there was, I, I should do that picture, but... Uh... By the way, it was interesting trying to look that up because I was trying to look up Twilight Sparkle, but Twilight Sparkle is a name of, like, one of the main ponies from My Little Pony. Uh, and I was no. like, I have no like, really, like, <laughs> specify what I wanted. 
Oh my god. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, really quick before we get into the actual list, I remember when the whole Twilight series was out not the books um when the movies were coming out right because i was in college when the movies were really underway and god i hated the whole trend of team edward team jacob i saw people with those t-shirts everywhere around college but we went to um you know every year i go to the renaissance fair which unfortunately i wasn't able to go this year because of covid but um where they have the renaissance fair they also had this place called forest of fear it was around the same area and it was like their whole thing during halloween there was like a haunted house there was you know performance artists there blah 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 and then of course they had like a bar outside uh because it's new york but there was a tip jar and I forget really what it said, but it was something like, you know, tip us for every tip you give of vampire ceases to sparkle or something like that. It was really fucking funny. It was clearly like a jab against Twilight, and I just thought it was so funny because it's like, can you imagine, right, you're a goth person or heavy metal or whatever, or you're just a horror movie fan and you love vampires because they're so, they can be so brutal. Right. And then this freaking whole subgenre comes out and you have all these people who are just romanticizing Edward and all of that. And it's like, Oh God, it, it like, I yeah, had yeah. to imagine that that's like a thing, you know? Yeah, I, I was going to say, quick side note about the tip yeah. jar. My mom, like, I know it's such, like, a side note to this. My mom used to work at a gas station growing up, and she wanted so badly to have a boob job that she tried to convince her manager to let her put out a tip jar for a boob job. And she's like, I feel like I would have made enough, but it didn't happen. I wasn't allowed to put out that tip jar. <laughs> Oh, my God. So that's a good thing for all the listeners to know. I just thought it was so funny. I I was thinking of, like, what are things that convince people to tip? Well, this this poor girl's dream of having this, well, coincides with vampires. There you go, Tia. There you go. There you go. I'm always amazed at Brittany's... um, side stories and how they don't at all correlate with what we're talking about but i love her anyway so she's forgiven but before we go into the actual list of course i have to get a few, give a few shout outs to friends of the podcast that you need to check out and i do not have my script in front of me so this is all going off the top of my head so i hope you guys enjoy but the first people that we have to shout out is our friends at Stranger Damies, which is part of the main Damie family of podcast. Um, they do a real life D&D podcast, which if you are into D&D, please make sure that you check it out. I know that they are active every single week, so you can definitely check that out at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. Mark, I believe, is the Dungeon Master, is that what it's called? Um, And they're just amazing. The DM, right? They're just amazing people. So they have Stranger Damies. They do it every week. They 
fight against mystical warlocks and elves and all of that crazy crap. And I love the line of they have more references to the 1980s than Ready Player One. So please make sure you check them out as well as their other podcast, They Call This a Movie, which I'm a very active listener on because they're just hilarious and who doesn't like to hear people roasting bad movies. And speaking of bad movies, um, our other podcast friends, Gutting the Sacred Cow with Kevin Goatee and Kevin Israel, they do something where every week they have a guest come on and they pretty much, quote unquote, gut the sacred cow, meaning they take a movie that has had either critical success, financial success, or has just, you know, been revered as one of the great movies. And they pretty much talk about how it's a shitty movie. I know, in fact, recently they did The Shining which I think has been revered as one of, say, like the greatest movies of all time, and they completely gutted it, which, fun fact, The Shining is based on a Stephen King tale, and apparently Stephen King hated the movie The Shining because he felt that it didn't do his book justice at all, but he actually really enjoyed Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel that just came out, I think, last year, starring Ian McGregor. So that's really awesome. So make sure you check them out, Guiding the Sacred Cow. They're an affiliate of ours, so you can check them out at Geek Vibes Nation. You can also find them on Twitter, Instagram, and all of the podcast platforms that you may go and listen to podcasts on. And lastly, we have our friends at Music City Drive-In, Ricky and Jacob, who pretty much just go through each year and talk about who should have won the Oscars instead of who actually did win the Oscars. And they have all sorts of awesome podcasts that you need to check out. Ricky actually runs our Geek Vibes Nation sports Twitter page. I know we have a sports Twitter page because geeks can also be into sports. I mean, I'm not into sports, even though I have my Boban Marjanovic shirt on right now, but that's something else entirely. (laughs) Yes. I didn't tell you. (laughs) No, you didn't. You have a problem. Get There is no help. My side notes, my side stories, but you freaking bought the shirt. I'm in judgment. I'll send it to you, I promise. But yes, let's dive right in to the top 10 vampires in cinema. Brittany, get your number 10 girl. I was going to say, when I was looking through the list, I was like, I was like, I need one last vampire. And I remembered one who's awful, but I also really liked him. It was Dracula in the Van Helsing movie with uh, Hugh Jackman. Do you remember this movie? I've actually never seen this movie. I've always wanted to. It's been on my list, especially since they did come out with a TV show called Van Helsing, which was kind of like a continuation of that. And I've interviewed a few people on that show, but I just never saw it. So I'm sorry. I have not seen um, this movie, but keep going. I was going to say, what what it is, is, um, I don't know the, the best way to explain it, but, you know, Hugh Jackman is Van Helsing, there's Dracula, Dracula kills uh, Frank, Dr. Frankenstein after he makes the Frankenstein monster, and it, it's this whole crazy plot that basically, uh, spoiler alert, 
Dracula keeps calling Van Helsing Gabriel because it turns out Van Helsing is like the the Gabriel, like the Archangel Gabriel, and it's like I don't know the plot's kind of weird. But what I like about Dracula in it is that he does have like the heavy accent, which would be you know I do understand when they start giving Dracula a more um, a more normal. Um, like, they normally start giving him, like, a very, like, English accent, and they normally explain it away by, like, oh, you know, he's been, you know, he's lived this long, it would make sense that his accent would change, but in this one, he does have, like, a very heavy, like, uh, what would you say, a Romanian accent? Yeah, because it's in, like, Transylvania, so that is very in that area. Yeah, and I was going to say, so, you know, he does have, like, that heavy accent where sometimes it is hard to understand him, but I love it. And in that, he has, like, three brides. And what I think is neat about the vampires in this one is that they do act, like, high class. Like, they are very, like, all very well-dressed, but it's almost like they're animalistic because there's that one point where, like, he scares his brides and they, like, they, like, cower away, but they're, like, hissing at him. And I was like, oh, that's nice because sometimes they make vampires too human and it would make sense that they are a little more, you know, beastly. And, like, he tells them, oh, you know, don't fear me, come back. And they're, like, all on him. And it's, like, it's very, like, how you imagine, like, you know, wolves will love on each other it was like that way was his brides and I found it very weird but he does like have this speech where he's like oh you know I don't know why the humans are like so upset with us you know we don't eat more than we need and we don't you know we don't take any more we don't take any less and he's like oh can they say the same and it's like yeah but you're kind of like murderizing their villages so you know but uh i I just (laughs) like the vibe i got from him and it's always you know exciting to see hugh jackman in something he's not my most favorite vampire but at least he's played by richard roxburgh which the actor himself looks like very interesting i would like to watch more of what he's in but i thought he did a very realistic representation of what Dracula could be in a movie. Yeah, and obviously Count Dracula is such a prominent vampire figure done so many times. Last night when I was going through, say, famous vampires on screen to put together my list, I mean, there was about five different versions of Dracula on this list alone, and that's a huge character that i think everyone knows i they even just recently did like a dracula miniseries on netflix and um i think last year or something and i tried to watch it and it looked good but it was just kind of it reminded me of the show the strain where things were just too gross and i just couldn't get into it Um, but the actor himself seemed like he did a really good job in it, but I was looking up as you were talking pictures of the Dracula and the Van Helsing movie, and it definitely looks interesting because he doesn't look how typically I would imagine Dracula being. Like, you imagine Dracula very much in that big, you know, uh, cloak that he's in with a very slicked back black hair. You know, that's very much the 
Bella Lugesi um, depiction of Dracula, but you just sent me a picture also right now of it, and I think it's very interesting seeing Dracula with that sort of long hair, but I like it. Um, I think this is a good Dracula and a good vampire to start out the top ten, so thank you, Brittany. Brittany, you have yourself muted. I don't know if you know that. Okay, Brittany, I guess, needs to be muted for a second. So, will, Brittany, are you I there? Don't <laughs> I don't know why either. I was like, Brittany, Brittany. Brittany. I saw, like, a thing, like, pop up that said Brittany muted. And I was like, why is Brittany muted? Maybe my 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 uh, cheek was like, nope, fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> Pretty much. But I was just saying... I think this is a good way to start off the list because how could you have a list about vampires and not have some sort of iteration of Dracula? So very good. I was like, it's a good thing I muted because I think I said, uh, thanks fam or so I said, Oh, and that what the kids are saying. And I was like, Oh no. So I thought you just needed to rehear that. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could have, like, kept that to yourself and not done that, but still, no. You're <laughs> on me today, girl. Taking. Well, I have to say that I sent Brittany the, the picture of my shirt, and she was she was judging me. She was judging me really hard, and I, I don't like it. I don't like it, Brittany. No. <laughs> I don't judge you, but it is very 80s with a vibe around it, and I thought That's it was pretty That's why I funny. liked it. I thought it was cool because I had an 80s vibe. But anyway, let's move on. Um, I'm going to hit number nine, and... Did you ever watch, I feel like we've had this conversation before, but did you ever watch The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yes, because uh, I always hated that uh, it was, uh, oh, what's his name right now? I can't think of it. Oh, Sean Connery's last movie because he was so mad at it. I know, which sucks because I actually really liked the movie. I liked I the movie and I disliked that. Sean Connery hated it so much that he was like, fuck it, I'm out, um, which is insane. That literally was his, like, last movie ever. It's like, dude. But um, I don't know if you remember Mina Harker, the only woman in the goddamn group, was a vampire. Um, and I liked her whole story with how her and her husband were, you know, doing, say, like, research in Transylvania, and she got bitten, and now she's a vampire, because Mina Harker, the character, is very reserved, right? She's very, like, prim and proper how she acts when you first meet her, and then suddenly it's like she has these moments where she flies into like this rage of being say a vampire and being very like bloodthirsty and you see throughout the movie that she just kind of like springs into action like there's even scenes where she's like flying amongst bats pretty much and I just thought that she was so cool I didn't see it coming that she was a vampire at all 
And I just thought that she was a really badass vampire in a movie that I really enjoyed. And I thought that it was really cool seeing her final showdown with Dorian Gray. So as far as, like, vampires, I think it touches upon, say, that whole mythology of Transylvania and, you know, this old world sort of vampire but also just being this, like, prim and proper, because you wouldn't think of that, right? You, in the movie, they originally think that it's her husband who's going to show up, and they're very shocked when she shows up, and they're very much like, oh, what's this woman doing here? And it's like, she's probably more dangerous than most of you. So I'm definitely putting Mina Harker down as my number nine. And what do you think, Brittany? I was going to say, I had forgotten about her, actually. I'm looking back, I was like, oh, my God, how did I forget her? Like, she, like, not just saying, like, it's off the looks, but I was like, golly, she's beautiful. And (laughs) hearing Mina Harker, uh, I was like, why does that sound familiar? And it is that she is the main female character from the Dracula, like, uh, from the story itself about... uh, about her disappearing and being, I think, taken as a bride, if I remember correctly. But uh, looking back, doesn't she have, like, a moment where um, she's, like, so beautiful, so, like, elegant, but then her face just twists into, like, the, the very vampire face, and yeah. it's pretty terrifying. And I was like, oof. You know, it is nice to see that character played by a woman because, you know, we do see, I feel like vampires are often such like a, uh, like a, a woman's domain of like, oh, well, for those that, you know, it's like, um, they're mostly men, you know, like most of the vampires we do see. And if they are women, they are like more, um, what's the word for it? like sexualized but i like that you know she is very like a badass in her own right and i like that the one you know female character they did put in there they made her very fierce and not needing to be like babied right her character didn't at all need to be saved or coddled or anything like that she was very much a person who kind of could take care of herself. Now, of course, there were these moments where I thought there was a hilarious moment where they were bringing in Mr. Hyde, and you see Mina Harker in her room trying to, you know, prevent things from falling because of this giant beast, and she's, like, imitating Sean Connery going, you must stay in your room, Miss Harker. It's far too dangerous. And it's like, did you not see, like, how badass she was? You think that she... I'm sure you're just a human. I'm like, I'm pretty sure your character is just a human, and she's over here like this badass immortal goddess. Uh, She doesn't need your uh, babying. But yeah, you're right that there was a scene where she was acting so prim and proper until finally it was like revealed of like who she is, and she starts feeding, and it's so violent and so cunt like. It was such a contrast to how you thought this character originally was going to be. And I just loved it. I just loved that her character obviously didn't die in the end and that she was still a pivotal part of the group and being this supernatural sort of being. And what, you know, in general, I just loved that movie because it took all these literary characters and put them into this group. And that, you know, as you said, she is a literary character so tied in with 
the lore of Dracula and for them to use her. Like, they didn't use Dracula, right? They didn't say, oh, let's just put Dracula in this. It's like, no, let's put Mina Harker in it. And I really like that, and I really appreciated it. So she's definitely going to be my number nine, and I'm happy about that. But, Brittany, <laughs> what's your number eight? I was going to say, I, I'm on that side now, it's like I do really appreciate that it was her because it is that she is such, like, a pivotal character in those uh, stories, so to see her kind of get her own moment instead of being, I think, I think she's normally more of the damsel sort in the story, so it's good to see her as, like, something more, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, you know me, like, I'm all about that, I don't want to see these damsels in distress, I want to see some badass ladies. Oh, she's a badass ladies. Well, uh, for my number eight, you're going to laugh. I'm going to go with Marceline from Adventure Time. Oh, my God. I, I didn't even think about that. Like, I wasn't even thinking in the animated realm. But, yes, I love it. I was going to say, what I like about Marceline is, one, I, what is that song, Daddy, Why Did You Eat My Fries? <laughs> I, I, I'm almost still completely sing that song because I was so obsessed with it. And I I always thought Marceline was like the perfect emo slash goth like <laughs> idol like as a kid because she's so like badass. She has a freaking guitar that looks like an axe, Tia. Come on now. No, she was a badass character, and I love that song because it's like, first of all, whoever voices her has a beautiful singing voice, and it's such this, like, melancholy sort of song, but it's about, like, French fries. (laughs) It's like, what? It's like, well, she had a way of, like, singing about serious stuff because, like, it's like, oh, they were about fries, and I think it turns out she's like, it's not about the fries, it's about, like, you not caring you know like like she had such daddy issues but her backstory was so depressing i sobbed because you find out her and the ice king have such like history of him like raising her because i think what it is is that she's originally um just like a half demon right her mother was human and her dad is like the the basically the king of hell you know what i mean like i they call it something else in it but i can't remember it but um later on she ends up getting bitten and so it's like she's like a bit of human a bit of demon and a bit of vampire right and uh but she ends up like they do the backstory where she did have like an abusive ex-boyfriend who where she had a stuffed animal that she still cared about and i think he took it from her and that was like the last thing she had of like basically her childhood and her dealing with that which by the way i think they end up uh creating her as like a bisexual character because i think she ends up with princess bubblegum but do not hold me to that no, I think you're right with that. I think that's what I had read because I was a huge fan of that show, but I had to stop watching it because it got so serious and depressing. Like when they started doing the whole backstory about the Ice King and it was a clear sort of representation of dementia, I just had to stop because I was like, I can't. This is way too sad. I did not come to Adventure Time to cry. <laughs> I didn't even think about the dementia part. That's oh, oh, that's even sadder, Tia. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I came here to have a good time, not to cry. 
Well, because, you know, he stopped remembering who he was, and he was acting erratic and all of that. And I think, didn't they make it, like, pretty clear in the show that it's supposed to be this whole thing that this was the world after some sort of, like, nuclear holocaust? Yes, uh, and, like, um, I'm trying to remember. Basically, like, uh, I think, like, the Lich King... Like, or, or, like, the, even, like, the humans that they did have, I think some of them were, like, genetically modified from it. Or, like, uh, the Candy Kingdom. It's like, oh, you're like, oh, it's cute and sweet. And, you know, there wasn't a joke in the sweet part. But, um, basically everything being mutated. And that some of the characters, you're like, oh, they're fine. And you're like, you kind of scare me. You kind of scare me because you're a little deeper, but the Lich King terrified me with, like, his skeletal, you know, gross face and, like, but Marceline's story, like, and and realizing why her and Princess Bubblegum had such a friendship falling out, and I think it's because, like, I think you find out they, they did like each other, but, you know, they grew apart and there was, like, that, um that hurt there, but, uh, Marceline's songs were so good, and I like that she doesn't drink blood, she drinks the red out of things. Yeah, that was an interesting thing. I guess they had to do that because it is technically a kid show, so it's like, how do we make this a little PG for the children? So you have it where she drinks the red out of it, but I loved her friendship with Finn, right? Because it was always, like, in the beginning, it was one of those things where he was so terrified of her, and she was purposely making herself seem very scary, when in reality, she was just messing with him. And I thought that their friendship ended up being, at least from what I saw, because, again, I stopped watching after a while, but their friendship ended up being probably one of the strongest friendships in the show. And I never got to the part where princess bubblegum and marceline got together they disliked each other when i was watching it but i like kept up i think it just popped up on my feeds or something that they got together and it's like oh good for them um but i i love this character i wouldn't even like think about this character on this list but it's so great because she's such this as you said this like punk goth kid and has these like really amazing songs like there was something so like beautifully tragic about marceline and her story that you never really expected and it added like a mature layer because you would have like Finn and Jake, right? Jake was the dog. I forget now. But you had like oh, yeah, them Jake. who Yeah. Yeah, you had like Finn and Jake who are obviously like they're young and they're having adventures and they're kind of like kiddish, you know? So then you'd have Marceline who brings this very sort of adult sort of feel to the story and I just loved her character. So this is great. This is a good pick. I didn't say um there was something I was going to say. When they first meet, I think what it was is that she she kicked them out of their own home. She made them yes. Home. <laughs> like, That's right. <laughs> yeah, why did she say, did she say something like that was hers like a really long time ago? And they were like, well, we found this, say, abandoned or something like that. I feel like that 
was the story, but I could be wrong. It's like, yeah, like, I think she had, like, carved a mark into the tree, but I think basically she was like, oh, y'all didn't want to work, but this place is still mine. I like it. And basically it was like, yoink. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what Marceline did. Like, she was a little bit of a little shit. Definitely. She she ends up getting better, but um, she definitely needed some grounding. <laughs> she well, I mean, listen, her backstory and who her father is, you would probably be a little rough around the edges as well. There is some truth there, Tia. <laughs> it is, right? I, I, I speak the truth. Um, but very good. I definitely think that this was a great number eight. I am going to hit with number seven. I'm trying to look at my list to see who I'm going to put here. Mm, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Um, what you calls it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this name right. I got to, like, look at it for a second, but it will make sense in a moment. I just want to make sure that I write it down first. So the character's name is Queen Akasha, and it's from the movie Queen of the Damned with Aaliyah, the late artist Aaliyah playing Queen Akasha. Now, have you ever seen Queen of the Damned? You know what's funny? I have not, but as a kid, I was so intimidated because I saw that one scene of her when she's, like, in her all her glory. Isn't she, like, naked in the movie at some point? I forget if she's naked at some point, but she does have a very revealing outfit where it's pretty much just this, like, metal bra, and she's wearing this, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was say, I have not seen it. But that that part stuck out so much in my head because I would think I was just in, in like intimidated by like I was like oh god she's so fierce but so beautiful I don't know how I'm feeling about this but in that, like confused way. Well, so it's been a really long time since I've seen this movie, so I'm probably gonna butcher a lot of the explanation of it, but. I remember, obviously, Bryant showed me this movie because he was such a, he is such a massive Aaliyah fan. And the whole thing is with vampires, and it's in modern day where you have this vampire who is a lead singer of a rock band. So this kind of is definitely inter, intertwining with that whole, like, vampires and rock sort of thing going hand in hand. Um, And he obviously has to, like, feed at night and all that to maintain himself. But the thing with Queen Akasha, Aaliyah's character, is that she is essentially the, like, first vampire. And it's why she's the queen of the damned. The vampires are the damned, obviously, Uh, forced to live for eternity in this almost eternal suffering, essentially. And she is at first, like, trapped, and she becomes, you know, untrapped for in events that I honestly forget because it's been so long. But I just remember her character just being this very, like, as you said, this very, like, 
fierce and strong character who was so very ancient and very powerful and revered by so many people and to the fact that like she had control over everyone essentially and just like the way her character moved in the movie and just the way she looked. I mean, she always had these, like, very big, you know, fangs coming out, and she had this, like, amazing headdress that she wore, and just that her the way her mannerisms were in the movie was interesting, and I think that even Aaliyah had constructed an accent for the character because obviously the character is supposed to be a very ancient character. She's not going to just talk like normal American or whatever, right? So to me, I just, I loved the feel of the movie, just this very, like, at night sort of rock band uh, kind of feel, but really it became where the main character, who's not necessarily any sort of good person himself, has to take down Queen Akasha because she is going to fucking obviously try to rule the world at that point. Um, You know, she's come back and she's going to use her, you know, children essentially to destroy humankind. And it's just a very good movie. It's very, like, of the times. And I think that if you're an Aaliyah fan, you'll appreciate seeing her in this sort of character. But I think as far as, like, fierce vampire women go... Uh, Queen Akasha definitely deserves a place on this list. I was going to say, looking back at it, I definitely remember the big things. But I I think what I liked so much about when I did see her is she almost has like this belly dancer vibe where she's very like animated with the way she moves and she's almost like flowing, if that makes sense. And, like, uh, I'm trying to think back, because I remember she was in the gold outfit, and I did see the gold outfit again, but she seemed so interesting. Like, she she did feel very otherworldly, but also had that vibe of, like, yes, she is better than everyone else, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, you know, she's, like, this very ancient vampire that is a queen, essentially, and it's like you definitely felt that. But, yeah, you know what? Now that you say it, she did have this bit of uh, belly dancer sort of vibe, which I think kind of helped in constructing this character of how, like, she's not trying to obviously fit in with other vampires, like how other vampires have kind of integrated into society and pretended to be humans. It's like she's essentially, like, an ancient being she's a god almost and it's like that's how she behaves so it's like she's not concerned in conforming to blending in or anything because she is superior to everyone else is that you know this movie means a lot to you and this movie has meant a lot to a lot of people because i always hear people like rave about it but like seeing it like on like looking it up so i could get more of an idea of it it's it's critic ratings are so low tia i think metacritic gave it a 30 percent rotten tomato gave it like like what somebody gave it a five out of ten I think the other person, let me look back on it. It got 5.3, 
on IMD, it got a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 30% on Metacritic. But I hear people like about this movie all the time. Well, because, you know, it's one of those things where it's a cult classic, right? To me, Queen of the Damned very much has that same sort of feel that, say, The Crow has. Um, And it's one of those things where, like, yeah, critics probably aren't going to understand it very much. Because if if you watch, like, documentaries on who actually do these sort of big movie critics, especially before... Like, okay, with modern day, right, you have sites like us, like Geek Fives Nation, and you have plenty of others where we put out our opinions. But especially back then, it's like you didn't have that. You only had these big critics like, you know, uh, Roger Ebert or the Film Association critics or whatever. And not for nothing, they're all made up of like, was that me? Oh, that was like an echo of me. But it's like they're all made up of like not for nothing, these like really old people who probably didn't understand a movie with, say, vampires or anything like that. And especially a movie where a powerful vampire is a woman and a person of color. Like I bet you like that had to play into it back then as well. And they're like vampires. Fuck. <laughs> you know what um also is an interesting point? Um and this isn't like to disregard the acting, but do you feel like sometimes, like say with the crow, and is it the crow or crow? Uh, but but having that movie and having this movie, and when you think about it, both both of the lead actors and both of them passed away in a very tragic accident. Do you think that helps? push these movies into a different light where people can appreciate them just for the movies themselves? Or do you think, do you think having those backstories to it do make those movies more where people like hold on to them a little bit tighter? I mean, I can't speak for others. I don't feel that way myself because with both of those movies, I watched both of them, obviously. Well, obviously with The Crow, like, uh, you know, you obviously watched it after Brandon Lee passed away. But I watched Queen of the Dam after Aaliyah passed away. So I but I think when I watched them, I never felt that way. When I was watching, say, The Crow, which I really wished that character was a vampire because he definitely would have ended up on this list. But I thought that the like I just watched the movie for how it was and I thought it was fucking great. Like I was mad at myself for having not seen that movie ever, you know, and it the only thing that I feel like I felt afterwards is was really sad that that actor was you know, had passed away because I felt that he could have definitely had a long career. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever seen The Crow, but go watch that movie. If you watch that movie, you can tell that Heath Ledger based his Joker very much on that performance by Brandon Lee. Because there are scenes in that movie that are, say, mirror images 
you remember in the dark night when the Joker goes into the room full of the mobsters and he's laughing and he kind of like sits at the table and he like has that whole speech with them. There's a scene where Brandon Lee as a crow does the same exact thing. It feels the same. His acting is the same. It's very, and that's only one example. There were so many scenes in that movie where I was like, wow, Heath Ledger, and believe me, it doesn't make me appreciate Heath Ledger's performance any less. I'm just saying that he must have looked at this and felt a lot of inspiration because it's uncanny how similar the two are. And with that long hair that's like looks like it's wet the entire time. The entire time. <laughs> that is very true their hair is like, okay, it's time for another spritzing down, and they're like, leave me alone. Oh, they they seem a little more disheveled when they look that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I will say, though, you need to watch The Crow. It is one of those movies that I didn't think I was going to enjoy as much as I did, but when I did watch it, I was like, wow, I'm like an idiot for having never seen this movie. So I certainly um, suggest it. And I also certainly suggest Queen of the Damned. It's one of those things where, you know, like I don't give a sh- – okay, so League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was also – like poorly critiqued by film critics and i think at some point it was definitely one of my favorite movies of all time i pretty sure i wore out the C- the dvd from having like watched it so many times back in like 2014 2013 but yeah so my number seven is going to be queen akasha uh britney what's your number six Okay, don't laugh, because I know this is going to come up uh, later on, too. Uh, do you remember the Alpha from Supernatural? Yes, I do. <laughs> I was going to say, he was terrifying. So, the Alpha from Supernatural, which I don't believe he has an actual name, but I found it interesting that you do find out, I think, like, werewolves, vampires. There's another one, but that you find out that they're these subgroups of, like, covens and packs are, what's the word for it? They're, they're headed by, like, a singular figure that's supposed to be basically, like, it makes me think of, like, mafias, right? But there's, like, the head of the house, the Don. Like, it felt like he's the boss. And uh, there's the alpha vampire, which you find, you know, he is very much like the regular, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it. He's very high class, but I found him so scary and intimidating because you find out he, like, adopts children to drink from because I know it's going to sound so gross and scary because, oh, yeah, virgins taste better. And it's like, oh, they're children. And he gives, like, this whole speech, I think, that it's, like, good that he's raising them because, oh, this is the worst that happens to them. And he is, like, protective of them. But it does sound very creepy because it's like, oh, you know, they're my children, but he's drinking from them. And I don't know what happens to them as they get older. I don't know if he finally does turn them and he restarts the cycle, but I found him so interesting because I think at that point you had only like really seen like the very vicious vampires who were very like could be mindless at times in the Supernatural series, 
but I'm glad that they had, like, fleshed him out where it's, like, you could definitely tell what level of vampire he was and the fear that everybody had of him because, uh, but it did confuse me because I was, like, uh, brings up the fact that it's, like, oh, what hurts a vampire? Oh, dead man's blood. And it's, like, what technically makes a dead man's blood? Like, if you take a transfusion from a person and they die does that technically mean it's dead man's blood at that point but i digress because i got a little confused by that but you remember the alpha right yeah i had to look up because for a second i thought you were talking about the old man which will correlate with another character that i know will be on your list later but I think the whole thing what they mean is like literally if someone dies and then you take their blood then that means that it's dead man's blood which will then kill the alpha but it's funny because I was looking it up and the whole thing with alpha is that he was say I think the original um like it was saying the children of Eve so they have that in the alpha, I mean, they have that in the vampire, they have that in the werewolves and stuff. And I remember this character because he was very creepy that his whole thing was with these children. And if you remember, that one girl who they thought that they were saving, like, loved him. Like, loved being, say, a servant of his, even though she was essentially trapped and maintained as, say, a virgin because then it made her blood so pure and stuff. But it's like she adored the Alpha even despite all that. And I just remember him being very, very creepy and very, like, intimidating. And it, I think, is sad because his character didn't last that long. His character was definitely, like, killed off, I think, way too soon. And I said to myself, this is a character that they could have kept exploring because it's so interesting to explore seemingly, say, the first of a kind. I think it, too, because uh, they made him, like, you're right, he was the father of vampires, like, the OG and there's something cool about that. It, is, it does make sense Eve, and it's like, oh, they're the children of Eve. But there was a there was an alpha shapeshifter too. There's an alpha shapeshifter, an alpha vampire, an alpha werewolf. I'm trying to remember all of them, but it does make sense that all these creatures have to come from somewhere. And I think that's why Dracula was so big in his allotted space, because I think it was that basically he had made a deal with the devil, and I think he was supposed to be like an OG vampire for that reason. But uh, I, I found it interesting that it's like, I also like that he he's very high class. He's in a suit. He's in his throne, right? But his nails are freaking long. Like they are intimidating. Oh my god, I was just I was just gonna comment about the nails, right? Because I the picture you sent me, it's like, you know, he's has this like old chalice, so you can tell that he's very like old worldy, but it's like I hate when they have these vampire characters and they have these like long pointed nails and I say to myself, why did they need them? They have their fangs. Like uh, all I think about is all the dirt that has to get underneath that. Right? 
why? And I was also going to say what I also like about the vampires and supernatural in general is that their teeth aren't just like the four pointed, even though I do prefer those teeth. It makes sense that they have those like row of razor teeth, but it's like their teeth are normal, but they descend through their gums, which makes sense. But God, it's scary. I'm like, oh, that could literally rip like someone's whole neck open. I love in The Sims that you can have the different vampire and you can set what their teeth look like. So I guess that's kind of how it is with them where, first of all, you have to think of it. It's probably also a bit of, say, evolution because maybe at some point in the past it's, you know, having their teeth always out was useful at that point, but as they went on and had to kind of integrate into human society to become kind of inconspicuous, it wouldn't do well to have their teeth constantly out. So they had the ability to have them go back up into their gums, essentially. Yeah, that's what makes me think, though, of uh, Wolverine's, like, claws and how painful that is for him. It makes me think of that for, like, the vampires. Like, it's like, doesn't that get a little painful? Or do you eventually have holes that are permanently there for your uh, teeth to come out? But I remember, like, there's another character we're going to talk about, but his teeth... Yes, they're jagged and scary like that, but the Alpha himself, he has, like, a row of razor teeth, like, just rows of it. Like, there is no spaces in his teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's freaky. I, You know, it's been so long. We've talked about this in other podcasts, I feel like, but it's been so long for you and I having actually watch supernatural that there's so many characters you forget about and i remember this character because i remember that he did stand out but i also remember him getting killed off and me thinking oh come on really like that's a character worth exploring having the alpha so i think that this is a perfect um what number is this a perfect number six and i wholeheartedly agree now now i want to explore more of this character but good job Brittany. let's move on to number five and i am going to put um roman godfrey from the netflix show called hemlock grove now and played by bill skarsgård i should say so (laughs) for all of those people out there who love bill skarsgård as pennywise from it you should go back and watch hemlock grove because i feel like that was probably one of his first say american outings where people started to take notice of this actor and remember netflix started with their say uh streaming online and their original shows back in like 2015 prior to that they were say a dvd sort of thing that was just putting out what already existed so shit like daredevil and hemlock grove were some of the like first original content that netflix came out with and so hemlock grove only lasted three seasons and it is by eli roth who played the bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. And it's this horror type show where Bill Skarsgård plays this character, Roman Godfrey, who is honestly like this rich, stuck up 
asshole prick, right? Um, very. Tell me how you really like, feel. Well, because he's he's very like think of how you would think of say a snobby like kid who grew up really freaking rich and privileged, like how like he Joffrey? just doesn't think. Yes, like doesn't think the rules apply to him at all, and that's how he is. And when the show first starts out, he has no idea that he is a form of vampire. His mother is a very like old vampire, but never explained that to him. Um, and I forget now. I it they showed it when I looked it up, but he is kind of like a subcategory. A vampire. I don't know if you want to look it up for me, Brittany, right now while I'm talking. I would appreciate that. Um, but um, he finds out later as the show goes on of what he is and his abilities start coming in. And you kind of find out, like, from day one that he's always had this say, like, it sounds really gross, but we are talking about vampires. He's always had, like, an infatuation with blood like, you'll have where he, say, like, pricks his own finger and, like, literally, like, tastes his own blood. And I think that's where it begins for him. But then throughout the se- the series, when he becomes more aware of what he is and, I guess, say, his hunger starts coming in, he's pretty freaking badass. And the thing that really freaks me out in Hemlock Grove is that when they have him, say, feeding it's not simple as just like teeth coming his jaw like pretty much like unhinges like a freaking like snake and just because there's this one scene where he's with this girl and it's like they're making out and you think it's going to be like a sexual thing and she like offers him her neck like if she thinks that he's going to kiss it and you see like his mouth opening you see like teeth coming out you're like okay but then his like jaw continues to like open and he just effing like rips this poor girl's throat like completely off her freaking neck and it's so bloody and so disgusting but I honestly think just like Roman Godfrey was such a great vampire because it's so it never really talked about him being a vampire right it's just that you knew where the story was going and you could obviously guess as you went but they never really referred to him as a vampire And as Roman's character kept going, it was quite interesting because his character starts off with befriending this guy who is a werewolf and he's like really interested in it. And this is before Roman knows that he's a vampire and finds and so he's friends with this guy and he seems like, you know, he seems to have some sort of moral compass because he has like a sister who's very disfigured and he cares very much about her but then as the season goes on and it's like finding out that him and that he's a vampire and that he and his friend who's the werewolf are supposed to have this sort of rivalry with each other it just becomes where he just is accepting who he is more and becoming more dangerous and there are a lot of like unexpected kills in the in the show a lot of like really horrific it it, to me it's not as bad as like the strain right like i told you like the strain and that dracula show i couldn't watch because it was gross 
this isn't gross, but it's very, very bloody. So if you're into that, like, this is, again, it's only three seasons. Bill Skarsgård is great as it. I think that he definitely showed at that point that, and he was young, too, at that point. He was definitely in his, uh, like, early 20s, but he had this very, like, older mentality and, like, very dark presence that I think obviously helped him land the role of, say, Pennywise later down the road. So Hemlock Grove, Bill Skarsgård as Roman Godfrey is going to be my number five. Okay. Uh, I I did look up what the the vampire was called. What is it? (laughs) It's called called an Upir, or, like, it's, like, U-P-I-R. And uh, apparently most vampires of that kind, which is more Slavic, like Ukrainian, is that, uh, and which are characterized by, like, their unhinged jaws. Like, it's very scary, by the way, the way their jaws look. It reminds me of, like, in those, like, scary supernatural movies, like, where something screams and their mouth widens. It's kind of like that. But um, I've got to say that apparently they can only become full uh, Upir or, like, Upir, like, by committing suicide. So that's a little dark and scary to go along with all the vampire stuff. Yeah, sorry. I thought you were going to continue talking. My bad. Um, No, I certainly agree. Like, the show definitely – okay, so you have, like – the show and you have Bill Skarsgård as the lead and you know he has that kind of I don't know what like Bill Skarsgård say appeal is not in a bad way like I know he's appealing I'm saying like he he has that niche of like he has those dark sunken in eyes so it's like you see him and he's not a pretty boy but you're kind of like I'm sure that young like people older teens young 20s would be appealing like he would be appealing as because you think oh look because he plays like a high school kid right so at first you see him and it's like oh so dreamy he's kind of like the bad boy blah 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 and then it's like gore violence you know all this crazy shit and it's like oh this is not you know you're too like this isn't twilight here (laughs) everything i looked up with him always has blood poured all over him like that picture you just sent me i was like he's always covered in blood that is pretty much the whole entire show, and I think that goes to Eli Roth's, like, style, because I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that Eli Roth, he um, did, I think, the first Hostel movie, and he's done other things, so he's very much, like, into horror and is very much into that genre of, we're just going to throw buckets and buckets and buckets of blood, like fake blood on a character. I think that's Terry Kino. Yeah, uh, that's why I feel like casting Eli Roth as the Bear Jew for Inglorious Bastards was a match made in heaven. Like Quentin Tarantino's like, I love blood, and Eli Roth is like, I love blood. Oh my god! <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I just really liked it. I remember turning on hemlock grove and honestly the show again was very gory and a little it had a little bit of that feel of like a b-rated horror film especially with some of the graphics in it um especially but again it 
is definitely the type of show for anyone who is just into that like disgusting gross like horror aspect because you know how all right again let's like refer back to twilight and i'm sure when they had jacob transforming into a werewolf it was probably like super awesome and you know sleek and blah 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 but in hemlock grove when you had the character it was like pretty much like the wolf tearing through the skin of the human to become like like it was very gross it was very violent it looked fucking painful every single time like i would never want to go outside and look at the moon if i were a vampire in that sort of world because it just looks too horrifically violent every single time but i just think that Watching Hemlock Grove definitely got me interested in Bill Skarsgård and, like, his ability as an actor, because if you remember prior to that, and we'll get into it further down the list, but um, Bill Skarsgård comes from a very famous family. You have Stellan Skarsgård and you have Alexander Skarsgård, who have already had these, like, huge presence and how often does it happen where you have one actor right and then their sister their brother comes on the scene and they're never quite as good you're like they're only in this because they're the sibling of a very famous person but for me it's like hemlock grove showed me that bill too he has his own genre right like he has his own niche we obviously see that he probably likes being in more of these horror things and he does well at it so i really liked roman godfrey as this vampire what did you call it again an oomfer oomfer like an oopier or like it's like u-p-i-r you were the person, by the way, Brittany, who even, like, explained to me that there were different categories of vampires. I was like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, there's just, like, there, I don't know. I find it fascinating because, you know, every country has their own version of it. Like, like say, like, the, the Upers or the Uper. I, I don't know how to say it, but, like, that's more like the Ukrainian, like, I think the reason it was such a big thing back in the day is, one, people were getting buried alive all the time. So for them, they would see people, like, with claw marks on the inside of their, you know, graves or, like, like or somebody crawling out and looking gaunt or, um, or like, this one's messed up. You know how bad it is for... Um, like, a girl to be, like, pregnant, and, like, they're, like, without being married, or um, a girl gets pregnant while her husband's away, and a lot of them would explain it about, why, but, like, oh, it was an incubus, it was a vampire that visited me in the night, you know, and, and that's how they would explain it, because that's better than, like, oh, yeah, I don't want to get, like, murdered slash executed for oh this crime that you think is worth uh killing me over yeah no exactly i mean it's so interesting when you see say like ancient graves or something and they're like completely covered with steel beams or something like that because they really thought that say vampires or zombies were going to happen and i was like wow that must have been wild living in an error that that was the case. <laughs> right? Like, where you had to worry about, like, apparently, like, 
the people. And I think it's like when you don't really have the sciences to explain away the things that you're afraid of. And also there was people that, uh, you know, they had diseases where they, I'm trying to think of the word for it, whether it makes them gaunt or, I met a lady, okay? I met a lady a few weeks back who had her arms really wrapped up. And she said, oh, you know, look at this. Because, uh, you know, people sometimes are like, oh, I want to share. And she unwrapped her arms, and they were just blistered, like blistered, like awfully. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And she said, this was from just riding in my car with my arms uncovered. She is highly allergic to sunlight to where it literally blisters up her skin. And in, like, a 10-minute car ride of just having her arms exposed in sunlight, so she has to stay constantly wrapped up. And I was like... Could you imagine, like, how would you explain that away? You know, you would have to stay out of the sunlight or else it hurts you. I remember there was an, did you ever watch the, um, the show House? Like, with the, you know, with the doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there was an episode where there was, like, a young kid, and they thought that the kid had, like, some sort of, um, you know, bacterial infection, right? And at and the conclusion was that they were going to have to cut off the kids, like one of their arms and one of their legs, because of this perceived infection that they thought the kid had. And you know, obviously, the mother was like traumatized from it, and they were like, "Well, what's better? You know, your kid." living without these two limbs or your kid dead, right? And they literally had the kid, like, in the operation room under anesthesia about to perform the surgery when the character House, like, literally ran in because he figured it out. He was like, it's not that this kid has this bacterial infection. This kid is allergic to light. And they, like, figured it out that way, that that was why this kid's you know, skin was, like, blistering. That was the whole reason. But it correlates to that where, yes, that's probably, I would hope, a super rare disease, but it happens. And if you were living back in, say, like, the colonial ages and you see that, how the hell do you explain that, you know? To them, they're not going to be like, oh, this person's clearly allergic to light. They're going to be like, oh, my God, vampire! Uh, right right you know and um i think it's sort of like uh even like with syphilis and how it would make people go crazy like uh al capone you know it kind of just gets in your brain like that it's like how do you explain that away you know what i mean like just someone suddenly catching a madness yeah exactly it was the weird science and doctors that they had back then so yeah it's very strange how it's very one, strange. Go ahead, sorry. Oh no, uh, sorry. I was just saying, like, uh, and you have to think probably in these, like, especially like in the Ukraine or Russia, where it's like you did have such a problem with like famine and the cold, and you know, if you do have a point where somebody's cannibalizing from that extreme hunger, how do you like if you have something traumatic happen to you? How do you process that? How do you, like, explain, like, oh, yeah, you know, this happened, or, you know, I watched this happen to somebody else, and it's like you would think that some kind of demon took them. 
Yeah, exactly. So it is interesting even thinking about where the lore of vampires even originate from, and it's something so not supernatural. It's just the fact that probably humans didn't have the fairly, I don't even want to say intelligence level, but just not the evolutionary like level to even comprehend certain things. So they had to use these supernatural sort of explanations to make sense of it all. But so yeah, my number five is Roman Godfrey for those who are listening. I would say make even though it's old now at this point, it's like five years old, still check it out. If you're a Bill Skarsgard fan, you're not going to be disappointed. But Brittany, what's your number four? Don't laugh at me, okay? I need you uh-huh. to understand that initially, but it's because I think we need something a little less scary. I'm going to go with Hotel Transylvania and Dracula. Well, Dracula. Oh, my God. This, this movie is so cute, Tia. So cute. By the way, I didn't know that Dracula is actually voiced by uh, Adam Sandler. It does not sound like him. I need to tell you real quick, this movie has, like, a golden cast of voice actors. Let, let, let me let me tell you this real quick. Let me let me type it in just so I can show you. Okay. So, Dragon was <laughs> voiced by Adam Sandler. Jonathan the Human is by Andy Samberg. Mavis is Selena Gomez. Frankenstein's Monster is Kevin James. Griffin is David Spade. And Wayne is Steve Buscemi. That's definitely a who's who in a cast. All right, but like, so uh, have you seen this movie, by the way? I have not. Okay, so basically Dracula owns a hotel named Hotel Transylvania, and it's a hotel where monsters can come there and be protected and be away from humans, and it's kind of like a big getaway resort, right? And because you're like, oh, where did the monsters go when they need to relax? But, you know, they're monsters. But uh, you find out through the story, you know, he's very protective of his daughter, Mavis, who is absolutely adorable, by the way. Um, He's very, very protective of her, and he absolutely hates humans. Well, he ends up, uh, a human accidentally comes there. I think his name is Jonathan. And, uh... He he's not really aware that the whole like hotel is monsters at first because he's kind of an idiot. He's kind of a really bad idiot, and uh, Dracula ends up trying to scare him off a bunch of times. But I think it's kind of like you know Jonathan and Mavis are starting to fall in love. Yet you find out, which by the way, Dracula is hilarious. In it, you know that he does have those moments where he can be pretty scary at least for like a kids movie because it is a very kids movie but you find out the reason why he is so protective and the whole reason he made the hotel in the first place is uh mavis i think had just been born and dracula and his wife were very excited about it but the humans i think like found out like about them being there and basically, I think uh, Dracula and Mavis were able to get out, but the mother was not as, like, their home was, like, burnt down. And so the mother was killed by humans, and that's the whole reason Dracula hates humans even more and why he is so protective about Mavis, because he almost lost her when she was born. And But he made the hotel so that they could have a safe place to be and why he is so upset when there is a human there, and he's like, 
to the point of like almost killing him because he's like, I got to get this mofo out of my hotel because it's basically like the breakdown. But I think, um, you know, he is very prejudiced against humans and learning how to get over that is like a big part of the movie. But I find it so cute and the animation is so good, kind of like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs type animation. But it, it's really cute. The reviews are fairly good on it. I think they're actually really good. I don't think the second was as good as the first one. But um, but I did like how he explained like, why he made the hotel in the first place and why he does hate humans so much. I was going to say, do, didn't um, this movie spawn off like a few sequels? Oh, yeah. I want to say, when, when you have a kid's movie like this that does so well... And you're like, oh, we got to ride this cash cow. I was going to say, it's like you got to just keep cranking them out because you want to make that money. (laughs) Right, right. And I think, you know, when you do have something like anime like that where it's like you have such more room to make a lot of money because you're not paying each actor like an exuberant amount of money for all the filming they're doing. They're just doing their lines. And so they're like, oh, this is easy money. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Sorry, by the way, everyone, with all the sirens in the background. I swear, every top ten, it's, like, without fail. I just can't. The burning down the (laughs) The burning down the anchors. Um, But, no, this is so funny. I did not expect this to be on the list. I haven't seen this movie, which a lot – I won't say, like, a lot of people have said to watch it, but I know that – it's a really popular animated film. It's made a shit ton of money. As you said, it's spawned off a few sequels because of how financially successful it was. It looked cute. Like, I've seen, like, clips. I've seen animation, people really talking about Hotel Transylvania. And it's like, oh, that's adorable. Like, let's uh, let's make Dracula, like, really cute and funny, right? Yeah, I was like, I was like, I know it's so silly, but I feel with like all the scary vampire stuff, I do think it's fun to like throw in the cutesy shit every now and then. No, absolutely, you have to throw that in. In fact, I was thinking at some point in my list doing some characters from the FX show What We Do in the Shadows, because that's very much like, think of The Office meets Vampires, but then I decided I have other picks as well. But no, this is so cute. Like, you make it very appealing and sound like I want to go watch it. I'm wondering if it's on, is it a Disney? Um, Is it Pixar? Uh, Let me look real quick. I think it's Sony Pictures, it said, and it, if you want to watch it, it is on Vudu and Amazon Prime Video, and I think that's it. (laughs) And I think that, Vudu, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about Vudu lately, and I'm like, God, another freaking service that people are going to have to, like, shell money out for, but anyway. Television at this point, just in the like, and then you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna come out with packages. They go, oh, if you pay this amount, you could have Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon. And you're like, is that why I'm trying to get away from like television? Because I don't want all the packages. 
They already do that. They have a package that you can buy of Disney Plus, Hulu, and like ESPN because they're all owned by Disney. Because you oh know, Disney, Disney bought Disney bought out Hulu. So you know, uh, they have those packages. You're one hundred percent right. Yeah. There's a Disney, like the Mickey Mouse gang up in here. Like, holy shit. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But, no, I, I like that you put this on the list. I think that is very much needed because we've been talking about some pretty, like, horrific characters so far on this list. And I think that having a nice little reprieve of having an animated Dracula makes sense. Um did you see the second one or something, or you just saw, say, the first one? The second one is about, um, oh, it's about basically Mavis and Jonathan do fall in love because that's kind of the whole point, and, you know, Dracula kind of gets over his prejudice, but uh, they end up having a baby who, you know, is obviously half vampire, half human, and they don't ever know if... Uh, if the child is going to be a vampire or not, because it's kind of, like, decided by the time, like, I think, like, their second birthday or third birthday, and they're all very stressed out about it, and because Dracula so badly wants another vampire, and Mavis is kind of like, well, it's okay if he's not, you know, it can, you know, I, like, I think she honestly wants the baby to be human because, like, oh, you know, they'll have a normal life. And and she kind of does idolize having, like, the normal human life and all that. But um, I think it ends up, you know, they get involved with uh, Dracula's father, who is absolutely terrifying. He's kind of more of the OG scary vampire who's like, oh, you know, we just have to jumpstart it, right? But they only have so long. The child does end up being a vampire, but, uh, and the third one, I think, is more about uh, Van Helsing and Van Helsing's daughter and them get hunting them down, but I have not seen the third one. Oh, God, that's a bit um, adult for a child trilogy there. I know, I was going to say, it's not as bad as they make it sound, but it's definitely a little intimidating. <laughs> I love it. I'll definitely have to watch it at some point. Maybe we can put it on the list of next time either of us go to either state, whether you come here or I go there, and we'll have to put that on the list as uh, something to watch that doesn't take a whole lot of, say, uh, brain juice. <laughs> right, right, just something cute, something we can put on in the background while uh, talking about much scarier vampires. Much scarier vampires, exactly. Um, so I'm going to hit number three. I was almost going to joke and be like, I'll take Lee Pace's character from Twilight, but then I was like, no, 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 no. Um, God, never. Um, so... My number three is going to be the character of, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but Klaus Mikkelsen, um, played by Joseph Morgan from The Originals. Do you remember me talking about this character at all? I talked to, tell me the name again, Klaus. So Klaus Mikkelsen, right? Um, the Originals was a spinoff of Vampire Diaries. And 
it was supposed to be obviously talking about, like, the original vampires out there. And I think what I liked about, and I didn't overly say, like, some of what they integrate into vampires in this world. Like, I think I had told you at the time, these vampires are the type of vampires that, like, can run really fast. Like, you know, they're in one part, and then they go, and they're, like, there. And I don't really... I'm not really a huge fan of that sort of aspect of certain vampires, but I said, like, every iteration decides to do different lore with their vampires. I'm just not a big fan of that. But what I liked about the character Klaus was that he was half vampire, half werewolf, which pretty much made him, like, an abomination for, say, both sides, and he was very vicious, Like, whereas all, if you ever watch the Vampire Diaries or you even watch the originals, it's like every character is just so beautiful, right? They're just, like, overly pretty, very, like, not in the Twilight sense, but very just Beverly Hills sort of beautiful, right? And very posh, very proper. And I liked Klaus's character because he was very much more, like, animalistic. And he wasn't afraid to get his, like, hands dirty. He was very violent in some sp- uh, aspects which was very different than what you saw on both shows with all the other vampires because he was like half um half werewolf it's like he very was like a very big hunter right and he was not afraid to say do what he wanted like he didn't care about uh paying attention to the rules or anything it was first of all it took place in new orleans which we all know that we love anything that's set in new orleans and i just loved his character and also his character could trance right it got into that whole like aspect of trance and there so klaus who very much is like i don't care about humankind i don't really care about like anyone particularly there's this one human in the show where it's like she knows that he can do this thing, like, trancing, and there's at some point where she, like, begs him not to, but it's, like, he knows that he it's, like, better for him to do that so that, you know, it makes, like, what he has to do easier, and it's just, like, the aspect, it's been a long time since I've seen it, which I know is, like, not the best description, but I thought about this character because the actor is in that show that I like, Brave New World. And I remember seeing him, and I was like, where do I know this guy from? And it's so funny because in Brave New World, the actor Joseph Morgan plays such, like, a docile character. But in um, in the originals, he's very violent, and he's very, like, the loose cannon in the entire thing. Like, everyone else kind of keeps themselves together, and it's like when you throw him into the mix. He's just very dangerous. So that's going to be my number three, um, is Klaus Mikkelsen from the originals. I love it. I was looking back on it, and I was like, uh, it does make sense that it's like a hybrid would be you know, so frowned upon, and that probably doesn't help with maybe his more uh, aggressive tendencies. And I have to imagine that a hybrid between a vampire and a uh, werewolf would be something so absolutely powerful, but also, you know, 
you have both of those natures fighting for like dominance so it is interesting in that aspect if you heard me stutter for a second one of the cats just absolutely like i think slid across something and uh about destroyed something and it oh, took me by no. surprise but um you know how cats are. But I love love the aspect of trancing. And it's not always something that's like added with vampires. And it's no, something that I really and I always enjoy it because it makes sense. You know, like that kind of like, oh, putting them in a daze and it's like how do you make it a more silent approach for a vampire and so you're talking about the trancing i was like yes i was like finally a vampire that trances <laughs> yeah no he certainly does and um with him being like say half werewolf from what i watched he never say transformed into an actual werewolf it was just that his like it obviously made him more animalistic right and his teeth were a lot bigger and a lot like stronger looking than the other vampires so i think that's where that kind of went in i really think that his vampire side was the dominant side but that his werewolf like came in during certain aspects and that's what made him so frowned upon and again like whereas the other vampires were all concerned with integrating into society and being more quiet he was very much like an alpha where he was superior and he didn't care because he was that you know as again he was that much more superior not only um above humans but above vampires and werewolves alike and also he had that anger in him for being shunned his whole life because of what he was that i think that also fueled his fury pretty much i think being one of the original vampires too you know you have to think oh, yeah, you know, I'm better than everyone else. I'm better than these new ones. But having that kind of curse on you probably is definitely hurtful for the pride. And as we've seen in a lot of things, vampires are very prideful creatures. Very prideful. And I think, again, what I liked was that his character wasn't like this overly, like, pretty character that definitely was the theme of, like, I don't know if you ever watched Vampire Diaries. I didn't, but one of the main characters is Ian Summerholder, which who is like so freaking pretty. And so it's like everyone just looked like that. All the women looked like that. All the men looked like that. And it was almost unfair. Like you watched it and you're like, no one is that beautiful, like all the time. So to have a character like Klaus, which really just threw a wrench in the whole thing, I just really appreciated. I'm going to say, that, that's what got me a lot about Twilight. As I, I'm the same where it's like, I don't want them overly beautiful. I want them, like, to look a little more aggressive, a little more dark. And that's, like, that's why a lot of people do start to lean more towards the werewolves, because that's kind of more what you get from them is the, uh, the gruffer look. Like, you know who I think would make a great werewolf, by the way? Who? Frank, Frank Grillo. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is the funny thing, everyone. I have to, like, reveal this, right? The thing about freaking Brittany is she loves vampires. Um, And when I said, like, hey, let's do a top ten vampires in cinema. Are you to call me out? 
Yes, because it's so funny, I think. And the freaking Britney's like, oh, I don't feel like I know a whole lot of vampires. And in my head, I was like, that can't be true. Like, Britney loves freaking vampires. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's because literally every character from everything, she just makes them a vampire. <laughs> a vampire. I was like, I think I can make a story more interesting. You're calling me out. You're like, oh, yeah, this one character is great. But, like, what if I made them a vampire? <laughs> you sound like a little kid. No, I love it. Oh, my God. Like, I love it so much. You don't even understand. Like, I just, I always, like, wait for it whenever we're brainstorming. And you're like, do you think this person would make a good vampire? And I'm like, I was waiting for this. (laughs) Lincoln makes a great vampire, though, because he has, like, a million wives. Is, that's a thing, right? Like that's that's very much a thing in their lore. They they like all their bitches. <laughs> wow, Tia. I'm wow. just joking. I'm just joking. We bitches as well. We bitches as well. That was like a. I was playing a game and somebody said, "Hey, yo, bitch," and they're like, "Oh my god, I don't know you like that." I'm so sorry. <laughs> it <laughs> reminds me of. First time. It reminds me of um, there was a Saturday night Saturday Night Live episode with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and they were doing like uh, you know how Saturday Night Live sometimes does their news segment, and I forget what they were talking about, but they were saying like you know someone was referred to as a bitch, right? And Tina Fey was like, you know what? We are bitches. You're a bitch. I'm a bitch. You're all bitches. She's like, because bitches get shit done. And I was like, yeah, bitches get shit done. So ever since then, I was like, I don't care. Call me a bitch. <laughs> she was like, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take I'll it. Take, I'll take it. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know where, where this conversation went. But uh, <laughs> number three is Klaus Nicholson. Brittany, we are down to number two, which is your number one. I already know who it is, but I'm excited anyway. Let's go. (laughs) Speaking of loving vampires, uh, I think, uh, okay, it's going to be Benny Lafitte. I think it's Lafitte from from Supernatural. Which Can we talk about why does every freaking vampire come from New Orleans or New Orleans? (laughs) What? Or no 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 no, it's Nolans. <laughs> it's not even a Nolans. <laughs> story before I hop into the main thing. Um, there was this guy I knew when I was pipelining, and he has such a New Orleans accent, very Cajun, very Benny, right? And I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I would tell Aaron, I was like, he sounds like he's from New Orleans. And he was like, well, he's from Alabama. He's from Alabama. I finally was like, why do you sound New Orleans to me? Turns out the dude lived in the French quarters of New Orleans for like 10 years. And mixed into this weird Alabama slash New Orleans accent. And I was like, I knew my ears did not fail me. I had watched Finny too much. (laughs) (laughs) To be, be, uh, uh, what is it, uh, to be deceived. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm just still cracking up. I love that dude. But uh, Benny, Benny is great because you first can introduce to him whenever uh, Dean gets stuck in purgatory. And the whole reason Dean even survived purgatory, which I think a lot of monsters in purgatory were after him because... Uh, when monsters die, they don't get sent to heaven or hell. You know, they get sent to purgatory. So vampires, werewolves, uh, shapeshifters, I think all of them get sent there. And it's like you would think someone like Dean and Sam, who have killed quite their feel of monsters, would be very intimidated in a place like that. Well, um, Benny ends up teaming up with them. And, you know, there is kind of that scariness because, you know, he is a vampire. Vampires can't be trusted. Dean and Sam's thing this entire time is even good monsters are bad monsters. And, uh, well, eventually, you know, they do get, you know, Dean gets out of purgatory and uh, ends up bringing Benny to life. Like, he, he brings him to life right from his bones. He tells him where he's buried. And uh, Sam is very against Benny's existence uh, because to him, you know, it's like he doesn't have that that companionship with uh, with Benny. Like, you know, Dean got he's still under the impression all monsters are trying to kill. And uh, I feel so bad for Benny because there is a point where. You know, after the main story, you know, he's left on his own, and I think he's, like, in not-so-good shape because he is having to live off of transfusions because he is trying to turn over a new leaf. He doesn't want to attack humans. He doesn't want to do any of that. But it's hard because, you know, and that's a big reason he does end up, you know, he sacrifices himself to go back to purgatory because I think in purgatory, he doesn't have that hunger like he does, and, um, but, you know, he ends up sacrificing himself, but I did like his sub-story, where he did get a story where it's, like, he's after the old man, who's basically, like, an OG vampire, which is funny, they talk about the old man, like, he is, like, an original, like, vampire god, but, you know, we find that to not be true, because he is not the alpha, but, um, having him come in, and, you know, Benny talking about how they worshipped him, you know, their their leader, you know, and how he had fallen in love and that they were basically vampires, you know, like, uh, I think that's the thing, right? They they were, uh, they were vampires. <laughs> Doesn't Dean, like, call him, like, a vampirate or something like that? Like, I don't know, something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Benny gives them, like, a look, like, really? <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm talking about having fallen in love, and I think, you know, the woman he loved does get turned into a vampire, and he has to go back, and, you know, he kills the old man, and, you know, I think he ends up having to kill the woman he loved because he realizes she's not the same because she had been turned in, and she ended up being, you know, very evil, you know, because of it. And I felt so bad for him, but I, I'm so glad he got a story, but he was done so dirty, Tia, so dirty. So dirty. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I know that you loved Benny in Supernatural, but I fucking love Benny, too, right? He was definitely one of the... This is why, like, I have a lot of... 
I know a lot of people in the supernatural community like say that the show should have ended after the fifth season, that they don't pay attention to anything that happened after season five. And I'm like, but you're missing like Benny in season eight. Like it's worth it to go for Benny to season eight. Right. Like I love, I love the whole thing where it's, you know, Dean and Sam's whole shit this whole time is fighting up against monsters and not seeing monsters in a positive light. And I think there's even times in the past where this comes up and they are so anti against all of them, right? And so for Dean to meet up with Benny and to not only trust him but really regard him as like a friend is so massive. Like and Benny's character is just so good with that. Like the way Ty Olson played that character and the warmth behind it and also the kind of like the kind of like world ruggedness of how he knows. And I love how like Benny at first is very much like you're my ticket out of here, you know, I'm gonna go with you with this whole shit, and, but them just becoming friends, like, fighting in purgatory together, and you're right, they get to, you know, the other side, the living world, and Benny is out of sorts, he's been in purgatory for a very long time, his thirst is now back, and he has to, so first of all, he's getting used to, like, technology, because I think Dean even makes a comment like, oh, shit, you know about cell phones. He has to make a comment about technology. He has to learn about being good with blood packets. But then also Dean is kind of like, hey, we can't be friends anymore. And that Benny having a human friend is huge because what's to make it where he wouldn't go back to being just a bad vampire, right, or just being a vampire. So he needed that stone. But Sam was such an asshole and it's like first of all sam had really no place to talk because he was banging ruby and ruby was a demon who ended up legitimately betraying them ruby. so it's like I'm sure, so it's like ruby. not huh I, I guess sam literally was <laughs> well i'm saying that it's like Sam probably also, like, learned from that, too, where it's, like, he thought he could trust this demon. So, But it's, like, just because you were, like, blinded by your sex drive doesn't mean that they're all bad. Um, so that also really, I think, I think Benny got in a bad place mentally, right? And he was depressed. And I think rather than turning bad... He decided, you know, I'm just going to go back to purgatory. And he's willing to, oh, my God, he's, like, willing to sacrifice himself, right? Like, can you imagine how that is where, because the whole thing was that Sam and Bobby were trapped in purgatory. And Dean didn't know how to bring them back. And Benny was kind of like, I know why you asked me here. You're you're going to ask me to go to purgatory. And it's like Dean doesn't want to ask him but what other choice does he have? And Benny, like, accepts it. And I think he even says, he's like, I'm no good up here. He was like, I got it. Like, he, it's like someone who spent, like, 10 years in jail, and all they wanted to do was get out. And then they get out, and they realize that, like, the world now isn't what they thought it was. And they're just, they're too used to being, say, in, like, prison, right? And they, like, commit some crime to get back to prison. It's like, that's what Benny was doing. And then tell me how... 
tell me how that Sam still at first didn't trust Benny. And I was like, motherfucker was it, well, motherfucker got beheaded just to get your ungrateful ass. And then I think Sam did kind of like then appreciate him. And he had to behead Benny. Let's not I, forget that he had to kill his best friend. Oh my god! And then and like Dean still. I remember, I forgot what season it was, but remember Dean, like, hallucinates, and he literally hallucinates Benny, and then in another season, like, Benny gets mentioned, like, several times throughout the seasons after that, and then referring to how much Dean cared for Benny, and I was like, Benny could have been, like, like, Benny could have been their badass, right? You already had an angel with Castiel, you had Crowley the demon, like, you couldn't have had, like, the vampire also just kind of hanging around, chilling and shit. I would have loved to have Benny been a part of that, but, you know, Supernatural did us dirty. (laughs) Supernatural did us all dirty, and they killed so many of, like, you like a female character, they're dead. Not only are they not, like, oh, they're just gone and never spoken of again, they did. Like, dead, dead. Probably brutally. Oh, yeah, like what they did with Charlie. It's like there was no reason for there was no there was no reason for Charlie to end up in like a tub of her own blood. Um, I think I read something recently that it's like the supernatural writers like purposely killed off characters because they were so tired of hearing fans be like, "When are you going to bring this one back? When are you going to bring this one back?" And it's like that's shitty. Um, no. I loved so many characters throughout the seasons that got killed, like Balthazar, uh, Benny, Gudril. <gasps> I was so upset <laughs> Drill was killed. I was like, oh, I think no. that, was, that was the beginning of the end for me, honestly. Like, I'll say this. It's like, yes, season five had the perfect ending if they had ended it at season five, it would have been perfect, right? With the whole thing, the, the fighting against Satan and, you know, yeah. uh, whatever, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But season six has Balthazar, so it's worth watching just for that. Season seven has Dick Roman, who is probably one of the best, like, bad guys in that show. So worth it for that. Season eight has Benny. Need I say any more? And season nine. I like the Stein family. Well, I was going to say, so season nine has Gadrill. And yes, so season 10 has the Stein family, which was pretty freaking cool. But those mother effers were the ones who killed Charlie. I know, but they were cool. I like their story of, like, stealing body parts. No, I loved them because, obviously, it was, like, a unique taking of the whole Frankenstein lore. No, I liked the Stein family. Season 10, like, I stopped watching after season 11, right? Like, season 10 had it where they had Demon Dean for, like, three episodes, and it was such... Like, it was so good, and then they just got rid of it, and I was like, wow, that was, like, the biggest letdown ever. But then you had the Stein family, which was really cool. And then season 11 is when they brought back Lucifer, but that was also with the whole darkness um, subplot, and I just wasn't feeling it. And then I just kind of stopped after that. (laughs) 
after like and then they killed Crowley and then I definitely didn't have a reason to watch anymore. And especially because they killed Crowley and the actor, Mark Shepard, didn't even know about it, like, at first. He just, like, read the script, and then he was like, wait, I get killed? You don't even consult me about it? He's been in the show since, what, season four, I think? And such an integral integral part of the entire storyline that... He's like Well, that's like, you know... If you killed Castiel, that la-di-da, right? People would be up in arms. And I think that that was she. And Mark Shepard wasn't shy about saying how upset he was that it wasn't even a conversation. I think in that, they had said to him, well, you know, the show really is just about the brothers. And it's like, it definitely was more than just that. Like, I know there's a huge fan base out there who likes to think that way. But it definitely was more than just Dean and Sam. Which, by the way, I am so happy that Jensen Ackles has been cast in the third season of The Boys. Did you know that? Did you know that, Brittany? I'm interested to see what direction they'll go in. Well, it was funny the way Jensen Ackles like announced it. He had it on his Instagram story where he was like what do I do now that Supernatural's ended? And then, like, someone tosses him, like, the comic book The Boys, and he's like, oh! And it was, like, coming to season three. <laughs> I I still want to see him as Red Hood, though. So I bad. Still, I would love to see him as Red Hood. I want to say one last thing, by the way, concerning The Boys. So Jensen Ackles was confirmed for season three of The Boys. And then about a month prior to that, there was an interview with Eric Kripke, which is funny. Eric Kripke um, created Supernatural, and he's the creator of The Boys. And he has said, yeah, he has said in an interview that he is trying if the schedule – okay, so hold, hold with me here, Brittany. Eric Kripke says that he is trying to get Jeffrey Dean Morgan into The Boys Season 3. And and Jeffrey Uh, Dean Morgan says that if his Walking Dead schedule permits it, he would like to be in The Boys Season 3. So if things go well, we could could get Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Jensen Ackles in The Boys for Season 3. I'm just like... End The Walking Dead so so Jeffrey Dean Morgan can be free. End it so he could be free. I'm going to be so pissed if I can't get J.D. Morgan in The Boys Season 3 because he needs to be Negan. I'm like, yo, just let him not be Negan for a few episodes. Like, what? What is no, the problem? I, they're not going to let it happen because he's been carrying this, this freaking show on his shoulders since they killed off everybody. I was going to say, Jeffrey Dean Morgan must have to go to a chiropractor all the time because his shoulders must be hurting him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. But I love it. Of course, Benny. And honestly, when I was thinking about doing a vampire thing, I I mostly did it because I was like, I already know that Brittany is going to put Benny down. And I just love Benny. Like, I love Benny so much. So, Benny Lafitte. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, for number two. So, Brittany, we are down to the number one on our top 
10 vampires in cinema. So let's go through the others before we get down to our number one. And it's going to be number 10 is Dracula and Van Helsing. Number nine is going to be Mina Harker from The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Number eight is Marceline from Adventure Time. Number seven is Queen Akasha from Queen of the Damned. Number six is The Alpha from Supernatural. Number five is Roman Godfrey from Hemlock Grove. Number four is another Dracula, but this time from Hotel Transylvania. Number three is Klaus Michelson from The Originals. Number two is Benny Lafie from Supernatural. And number one, I feel like I could not have a vampire list and not include, because I'm pretty sure that not only did this vampire pretty much redeem the genre of vampires after the Twilight debacle, but awoken a lot of fetishes for a lot of people. Um, and it is going to be and it is going to be Eric from True Blood, played by Alexander Skarsgard. Now True Blood by the way, did you know that Deborah Ann Wool, the woman who played Karen on Daredevil, was on True Blood? I was like, holy shit. Um, but True Blood was True Blood was a really interesting show that explored a world where humans knew about vampires and vampires essentially were trying to integrate into society and they had a they had invented a synthetic blood called True Blood. So instead of them having to drink from humans, they would have to drink this synthetic blood, which you can imagine obviously would not go so smoothly. You have humans who were very anti-vampires. There was, in fact, several scenes of humans who pretty much tricked vampires into coming out of their homes during the daylight because these vampires did die upon sunlight and would blister very hard and pretty much die instantly. Um, and then, of course, you had vampires who hated the humans and didn't want to conform into, you know, drinking synthetic blood. And so you have Eric who is, again, played by Alexander Skarsgård, and he's so intimidating. And he's a very old vampire who I believe has, um, like, ties from Sweden. Like, I think his whole backstory is that originally he was a Viking. And the whole thing is that you have this whole thing between Eric and this character, Sookie, and then this guy, Bill, right? And I remember Cindy explaining to me, and the whole thing is that... You have the character Bill, who's also a vampire, who will say to Sookie how much he cares about her. But you have Eric, who never says that shit, but his actions say how much he cares about her. Like, if Sookie, even though he's very dark and foreboding, and he tells Sookie how much he hates her and how much she's just a disgusting human and how... One day, you know, blah, 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 he'll kill her, da, da, da. But it's like he always shows up and saves Suki. He's always showing how much he cares about her in his actions. And so it's like, in fact, he is probably the one who cares about her more than Bill. Because even though Bill is always saying how much he cares about Suki, he's never really around to save Suki. It's always Eric 
who shows up, but he's definitely not one to be, like, messed with. And it's funny because the character of Eric at first is this very, like, one-dimensional character who's just very scary and very intimidating, but has all these layers of, again, how he cares about Sookie, but will, you know, show it in his actions as opposed to saying it. And then you'll have where, you know, he is, um, he has, like, his maker who is this, like, shorter very young looking man and it's like you know he loved his maker but he's obviously very scared of him as well because when he like meets back up with him he has this like terrified look on his face and it's just like a great character who i think that for many like just how i feel that jeffrey dean morgan holds the walking dead i think eric definitely held up true blood for a really long time because at least for me and i know for say cindy no one really like we didn't care about bill or anything like that you just cared about eric i would say like looking at it i can definitely see why like no, that's what, like, when I'm streaming and I'll play a game, everybody's like, oh, you always love the villains, you always love the villains, I'm like, they're more interesting, they're yeah. more interesting, and and so Eric, even though he's not a bad guy, he does sound way more interesting, because he's not, like, all lovey-dovey, and, you know, seems very aggressive with Suki, but even though, but it's like, he does have the capacity to care, and I think that makes him a more well-rounded character than just like, oh, I will sacrifice everything for you. Well, so the whole thing is like, you know, Eric was definitely this, not an alpha, but like an alpha male, right? Very intimidating, very just knew what he wanted, very dickheadish, right? But again, yeah. like, you know, gold. But I remember my mom and I went to watch the fourth season and... I hated the fourth season because they did that bullshit where they gave Eric amnesia and he didn't know who he was and he turned into a complete wuss. And it's like, but oh, that yeah. is, when, but that's when he and Sookie got together because he was, I guess, more manageable at that point. But I oh hated it. I was like, I was like, give us the real Eric, and then obviously, finally, the real Eric came back, but I was so pissed during the fourth season when they made him, like, an absolute, like, wuss, and uh, it it wasn't Eric. You don't want Eric to be this lovey-dovey, caring, apologetic sort of guy. That's not what Eric is. You like Eric because he is so unapologetic and so just intimidating and who he is and all that i just love him and it's funny it's so funny that literally have uh two of the scars guards on this list as vampires interesting i think it's because they've got that tall like very swedish you know like very i you know what i mean it's like they look like vampires they look like vampires because, as we said, like, what, vampire lore pretty much originated in that side of the world, right? So when you have these two char- when you have these two actors who have very much that sort of look to them, not, you know, they're not Slavic, they're Swedish, but they have, like, that very European look to them that is what you typically associate with these old-school vampires. I love it. 
I love it. I love vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. I love Eric uh, from True Blood. Certainly to me, I thought he was the most interesting thing in that show and why I definitely tuned in when I tuned in to True Blood is just to see more of Eric. Um, and honestly, True Blood is what catapulted Alexander Skarsgård's career in U.S. When I say that, like, the Skarsgårds are Swedish, so they've obviously had their work in Sweden. So it's not that these shows catapulted their careers in general, um, but I think that True Blood made the the American audience aware of who the hell Alexander Skarsgård was. And honestly, he's probably what one of the most like valuable actors in like current actors and. I think that he can act more than just say his character on True Blood. I think that for a lot of actors, it could be hard for them to kind of get away from that, say, like supernatural-esque um, character that people are probably so used to them playing. But I'm telling you, if you ever watch Big Little Lies with Alexander Skarsgård in it, that he can act, and he is he can be definitely even scarier than freaking Eric. Like, Eric looked like a puppy compared to his character in Big Little Lies. I'm going to say, which, which actor, by the way, played in Alter Carbon? That's Joel Kinnaman. Not part of the Skarsgård. But Swedish, I though. <laughs> I get them mixed up. I get Joel Kinnaman mixed up with, uh, with um, Alexander Skarsgård well, a lot. It's funny, because... They're all Swedish, and they're all friends, because um, <laughs> during, my, during my deep dive in the... Well, first of all, they've been in a lot of Swedish things together. I've seen, like, clips of them in... But they also hang out. Like, I think there was a Swedish magazine that was like, oh, the Skarsgårds and Kinnaman hang out, and it's, like, literally Joel Kinnaman hanging out with Alexander and Gustav. Also... Um, the Skarsgars, especially Gustav Skarsgar, is really big friends with this guy. Oh, God, what's his name? It's like Mateus something. He is in the third – remember in the third seasons of Narcos, the guy who played the um, the head of security? Yes, I think so. Okay, so that guy, it's funny. He's a Swedish actor, but his, like, heritage is – Hispanic. So he literally knows like three languages. He knows how to speak Swedish, English, and Spanish. And I just have to like mention that because it's insane to know someone who's like actually tri trilingual. I'm like, oh my god, I can barely speak one language. How do you speak right? three? <laughs> I don't know how people are there. like but I guess it's like when you really put your mind to it and you're raised from an early age to learn it, it's easier. And that's why it's like when I have kids, I'd love to put them in a where they could learn another language because it's so important right now. Well, I guess that's true. Like with that actor, right? He grew up in Sweden. So Sweden, he's obviously going to learn Swedish. And I believe Sweden's second language is legitimately English. So obviously he learns Swedish and English that way. But if his household is Spanish, then he's going to learn Spanish, right? So there you go. But anyway, I just had to mention that because it's like literally any Swedish actor that you know, it's like they all know each other. <laughs> They're all friends. <laughs> They're all friends. They all know each other. 
Those are all friends. But, um, Brittany, before we uh, sign off here, do you have any honorable mentions you'd like to put out there? I was trying to sit and think to myself if I did, but honestly, I don't think I do. I'm sorry. I don't know why you're sorry, but um, I just had, I mean, I I didn't really have any honorable mentions. I do know I wanted to mention there are so many Dracula iterations, right? But I wanted to put this down because Dracula played by Bella Lugosi back in the day, right, like decades ago. Um, if you go to AFI, which is the group that does all those big lists, like the top 100 movies of all time, and they have the top um, 100, like, movie quotes of all time. Uh, Bella Lugosi's Dracula, one of his lines, is on the top 100 movie lines of all time, and I wanted to put it out there because I just think it's an awesome line. And the line is, listen to them, children of the night, what music they make. I just love that. And I feel like that's a big, like, Dracula line, so I had to put it there. Um, I never watched the movie with Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton called Only Lovers Left Alive, but I felt like Tom Hiddleston as a vampire needed some way to make onto this list. And Only Lovers Left Alive. And it's with Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. They play vampire lovers who have been lovers for centuries. Um, and I just thought that Tom Hiddleston as a vampire needed to make it on this list, even as an honorable mention. And I had to mention this really quick because I found it out and I thought it was funny. Remember how you and I used to watch Winona Earp? Yes. The character Doc Holliday in season three becomes a vampire. So I was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. It, it would have been great for I, I, I almost started rewatching Winona Earp because it's on Netflix. I was like, I could watch this. I almost did, too, because um, the fourth season is going on right now. And I've never watched the third season. I watched the first two. And I was like, I do want to get back into it. I just feel like every time I'm just not in the mood. It's like I want to be in the mood. I don't want to just sit there and put it on because then I feel like I won't digest it properly. But, um, yeah, Brittany, I love Bobo. Um, But, Brittany, I think that we did an amazing top ten vampires in cinema list. Please let everyone know where they can find you, what you got going on, and all that good stuff. Gonna say you can always find me on Twitch at itty bitty Brit. I've been normally doing, I think, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday for streaming at 7 p.m. Central Time. Right now, I'm playing through uh, the Walking Dead Telltale series, and let me tell you, if I have to play another game where a horse or a dog dies, I saw that on be- Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. And I had somebody on my Twitter, which you can find me at Twitter at itty bitty Brit Zero, but uh, somebody was like, "Oh, I don't think it'll make you cry like the other one." I'm like, "I've already cried twice, and I'm only like two hours into the actual." <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you real quick, Tia, and this isn't much of a spoiler because it happens in the first five seconds. You befriend a dog, right? And mm-hmm. you're, like, so excited because you play a little girl play called Clementine, right? And mm-hmm. there's at some point you find a can of food and you can offer to share it with the dog, right? 
and it growls at you and knocks the can out of your hand, and you reach down to, like, grab the can back, right? And it suddenly goes, like, feral and lashes onto your arm and starts trying to kill you. And so you kick it off, and it lands on these spikes and starts convulsing horribly with its eyes rolled back, and it's so fucked up. And I started crying because you can choose to, like, put it out of its misery, and that's what I did. I just sat there and cried afterwards. It was so messed up. And I was like, I wonder if this is going to be as sad as the first one. That happened, no joke, in, like, the first 30 minutes of playing, and I was like, I'm already done with this. So there you go, Tia. That's why the freaking game is so sad. Uh, who invented this game? Satan? Um, but I have to I have to say really quick, I'm dying laughing. So Brittany sent me a picture of Joel Kinnaman and then sent me a picture of Alexander Skarsgård and then sent me a picture of Pam from The Office and the caption was, it's the same picture. And I'm just dying. <laughs> <laughs> they, do, they do look very much alike, and I think they're, like, the same height. But, um, yes, please, everyone, make sure that you check Brittany out on Twitter and Twitch. She is a very, very dedicated streamer who puts a lot of hours into providing amazing content, so make sure you check that out. As for me, you can, of course, check me out on Twitter and Instagram, TFABY, as well as GeekVibesNation.com, which has links to all of our social media uh, platforms. You can check out all of my articles, my opinion pieces, my reviews, all that good stuff. And by the way, we are sponsored by The Coldest Water Bottles, so you can find our affiliate code in the description once we post it to YouTube so that you can get and check it out because even though the summer is unfortunately ending, you should always stay hydrated. But Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope everyone who is listening has a great rest of their day. Bye. Bye. Have a great rest of the day.